Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Scott. I'm Shatay, and we are the Hazes. Welcome to the Love Haze Podcast, where we believe that healing and wholeness are not just destinations. That's right. We believe they're a journey. And here on the Love Haze, we talk about how to navigate through it. We're so excited today. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, have on uh, our very good friend, uh, Miss Kim Kisner. She is a game changer in the communications and change management world. She's a graduate of Clark Atlanta University. Well, you see? We'll take that. <laughs> and the University of Phoenix. She has worked at companies such as WEWS, News Channel 5, Delta Airlines, Coca-Cola, and Intercontinental Hotel Group. Currently, Kimberly works at Vizian as the Director of Change Management, and she's the host of It's Your Girl Kim Show. And the author of Laid Off But Not Laid Out. Uh, welcome to our Black Love Journey. Let's Thank get right you. into it. Thank I you. am super excited to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Super excited. Uh, so let's get right into it then. Yeah. Uh, we were guests on It's Your Girl Kim's show earlier this year. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having us on. Yeah. And I'm really excited about this conversation because it touches right in, like on what I do all day. Mm-hmm. I'm really passionate about career growth, career development, and that's what I get to do. So uh, I love the premise behind your uh, book, Laid Off, but Not Laid Out. Mm-hmm. And then I read your blog posts. I think it's your 40s, Shaken, Not Stirred as yeah. well. And I love what I love about those is they really seem to touch on career evolution, growth, how to sustain forward movement in the face of obstacles. So before we start talking about those projects in like particular specifically, can you tell us about your career journey overall? Yeah. So let's see when I was four years old. No, um, (laughs) I've always wanted to be in um, when I was younger, I wanted to get into like architecture until I found out how much math you had to take. So I was good on that. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I wanted to be like a producer like Quincy Jones because I took piano, but I just I didn't really stick with that. So but I always had this creative thing about me. And um, I remember my mom, I went to school for communications because like, oh, I like communications. Didn't really know what that meant. But I went to Clark Atlanta University and got my degree in um, mass. At the time, it was called Mass Media Arts, Radio, TV, Film. So you got a little bit of taste of radio, TV and film. And so that was really great for me. But again, still didn't even understand what it is that I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it was just like, well, I got a book about communications from my godmother and kind of read all about the different careers you can get into with communications. But when I graduated from Clark, I moved back home, as some of us tend to do, because I was struggling mm-hmm. in Atlanta, right. even though I wanted to stay here. It wasn't working. My mom was like, well, you can come home. I was like, if I come home, I'm a failure, (laughs) you know, but um, she was like, you know, listen, you can always come home. That's the great thing about having wonderful parents that let you come back home to regroup. And at the time, you know, we had a lot of connections. And so my mom had a connection at WWS News Channel 5. And so it was the number one uh, television station there in Cleveland, Ohio. And so I had the opportunity to work there and start off at the bottom. Uh, now we're at the bottom and then we get to the top and <laughs> start off the bottom as a production assistant, yeah. which I made it in my mind to be the best production assistant ever. And so you're the person that's up here like in 10, nine, eight, and you're pointing them to the camera. You're also working the teleprompting machine. Back in the day, you have paper that you had to scroll through as opposed to now it's electronic wow. before it's like manual. Um, And so at the time, I had a couple of mentors at News Channel 5 who thought that I had the look as well as um, the personality to be on TV. However, you cannot start off your career in television at like a number one market. You have to go to like 85. (laughs) So um, I practiced. I learned how to write scripts. I ended up becoming an associate producer of the morning show. That's the person that actually is in the booth, the director putting the fonts together, the, all the words that you see on the screen. I did that and I just became really good. Then this is when the, this is how old I am. Y'all the internet became <laughs> then. I was, the internet scene, and each news station had an inner, had a uh, website component to it. So it was Newsnet five. So I ended up getting a job with Newsnet five, still with news channel five. And I became a writer 
And I ended up wanting to, like, I always am thinking outside the box. So I came up with a um, column called, uh, <laughs> oh, I can't remember the column. Anyway, I came up with this column in Weekend Hotspots with Kim Kistner. So what I did was I put together what was going on in Cleveland for the weekend and did a whole column on it. And mm. I had my picture like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I really was like, this is what I want to do. But I really didn't want to stay in news. I mean, news mm. is depressing, um, a lot of violence. And I felt like I had something else to offer. And again, I did you know a special type of you do certain type of uh, test shots and, and things of that nature. So they all were like, listen, you have what it takes, but you can't stay here. And I was too afraid. Um, I was afraid to go to like New York or LA. And um, so I was like, I really don't want to do this. What else can I come up with? So I went back to the book and found out you can get into communications. You can do corporate communications. Mm. And I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. It's kind of behind the scenes type instead of being out there. Cause I'm not really trying to leave Cleveland per se, but I did. And then come back to Atlanta. So came back to Atlanta and had the opportunity to work at um, this one company. And uh, ironically, I was there for like, oh, a week or two and got laid off from there. <laughs> wow. So I was like, I'm coming back home, mom. I can't do this. She's like, you are not coming back here. You're going to mm. stay in Atlanta. Can figure it that's out. where you're supposed to be. Mm. Uh, and so then after that, um, I had the opportunity, you know, when you're out of work, you go to like different agencies and get temp work. Yeah. And I ended up getting some temp work at Delta Airlines at the time and communications. And I just worked really hard in corporate communications. And I had a mentor and a manager who believed in me and saw that I had something special. And I just worked hard and to the point of where she wanted to hire me full time. So I ended up being a full-time corporate communications uh, senior uh, person. I don't remember what the title was at the time, but it was a senior person, but I wasn't really a manager. Um, and I worked at Delta for like five years in every aspect of the business, which was great opportunity. I thought I was so hot. Like I had the pager, you know, you used to have those sky. <laughs> 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 I was so important. You know, I was in corporate comms at Delta Airlines. And at any moment I have to go out and like, you know, I may have to get on a job or something. So that was a really great experience for me. But I will tell you that being in your 20s, uh, mid 20s, my work ethic was OK, but I thought I was just hot stuff, honestly. Mm -hmm. I just was so, um, I wasn't humble at all. Um, I just really, it went to my head, honestly. And I didn't really care about what people thought of me. Uh, and you all know, as you get older and you're especially in any type of corporate world or whatever, you, you gotta, you have to act a certain way, not mm -hmm. saying you compromise who you are, but at the same time, you gotta be mindful of what perception is real. And so I didn't care. I remember my boss telling me, Kim, you can't act like that. Whatever. I don't care what they think of me. I, this is who I am. That was my whole attitude in my 20s, um, which probably was a detriment to me as far as my career was concerned. At some points, I probably could have got a lot gone up in, on the ranks a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. But um, but it was also positive because it was a learning experience for me. Right. And so. Yeah. So I worked at some of the, the top companies in Atlanta, any companies you want to work at Delta, Coke, um, IHG, hotel company, all the companies I've always wanted to work for. Mm -hmm. uh, my career in Atlanta has been fantastic. This is where I'm supposed mm -hmm. to be. But at the same time, I also had that thing inside of me where I still want to do the television. I still want to do that thing. And I think when the Internet came about, you know, that was just really cool. And you have all these different platforms where you can do videos and things of that nature. So even in corporate America, I still was able to do corporate videos. I did this one video for women in aviation at Delta Airlines where I started and I produced it. Um, even my stint working at Elizabeth Baptist Church as the marketing director, I did the one of the anniversary videos. I produced it. I wrote it. Um, and so I still was able to dabble in that thing that I've always wanted to do. Yeah. And so fast forward now, um, you have all these different avenues to actually do your own show and uh, do these little quick videos. So before I got on Twitch and having my own show, I did videos every now and then. And um, I still, I decided to do a blog. So I did a blog called uh, your 40 shake up and not stirred. I wanted to kind of be like sex in the city kind of, but yeah. not really talking about sex, <laughs> you know? but talking about what it's like in your 40s, like real life experiences of what I deal with in my 40s. 
And some of it was serious, some of it was fun, but I kind of wanted people to kind of get a taste of what it's like being in your 40s and being a black woman and navigating various things going on in your life from career to relationships to ailments, (laughs) all types of things like that. And then after that, it was just like I really still had that urge to do something else. And a friend of mine who's actually a popular DJ, his name is uh, DJ LV, Mm -hmm. he was like, man, you need to have your own show. And I'm like, okay, well, how am I going to do that? <laughs> so Twitch was was a platform that was starting to get really popular during COVID. Yeah. Because a lot of the DJs were DJing on Instagram and Facebook. Right. And they would cut you off because of the music, the guidelines, the copyrighted music. So they were trying to find another place to go. And they found Twitch. Twitch is for gamers, really. So the DJs got hip to Twitch. So they were doing that. And so eventually... Uh, LV was like, listen, you could do your show on Twitch. And I was like, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> he was like, well, first of all, you have a whole blog. You could start mm-hmm. off with there where you got content that you can share. And then you could just come up with other things, make it your own. So he helped me come up. I was like, what am I going to call it? He was like, well, you're always talking about, hey, y'all, it's your girl, Kim. So why don't you call it your girl, Kim? And so uh, I launched that almost a year ago. And it has morphed into just a really positive show where my goal was just to um, navigate this world and, and have subjects that were relatable to everybody, um, important topics. I, I didn't want to be a show of fluff. I wanted to have some meaning to it. Yeah. You, know? you know what I mean? And it, it was my show. So, you know, I remember one time I, I talked about God a lot. People were like, I don't know if you should do that. Why? It's my show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God is a very important part of my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that's kind of the journey of, of, I know that was a long, way long story, but that's kind of where I am right now. And then of course I wrote a book. I forgot about that. I always forget about that. I wrote a book called Laid Off But Not Laid Out, Tips for Surviving a Layoff, which basically dealt with my career and being laid off so many different times and how I overcame it. And I wrote that book almost about 11 years ago. And then I did a rewrite uh, last year. And I updated it, I re-edited it. It was an anniversary edition, it was 10 mm-hmm. years. And I wanted to give everybody an update of what I've been up to since I wrote the book 10 years ago. And so, uh, yeah, so that's that's pretty much it, I think. Um, yeah, I love that that journey. Thank you for sharing. First, I want to say, really excited that you had this, your major seems so interesting. It's something yeah. I wish I had been exposed to when I was in mm-hmm. college, because I think mm-hmm. I really would have enjoyed that type of major with an introduction to radio and TV and film. Mm -hmm. Um, I think though, at the time, like media jobs in the way that they are now didn't exist. So there's so much of, of the workforce that is different um, than it was when we were in college. So Mm -hmm. everything happens the way that uh, it's supposed to, but I love uh, some of the insights you share about, you know, being fearful, because that's something a lot of people mm-hmm. experience and don't necessarily talk about being fearful, but still uh, taking chances, your family kind of pushing you to um, spread your, your wings and figure it out. Uh, and uh, just how your evolution into different parts of things. And I also like that you really paid attention to what you liked. You were kind of getting inputs from folks around you, but then you were also like, but I kind of want to do this other thing and I'm feeling this and you, and you took chances and yeah. tried things. I think when it comes to like our parents and grandparents, they kind of did one thing right. for the entire mm-hmm. career and our generations and after us are trying so many different things there. I don't, I don't think that there are many people doing the same thing for yeah. 30, 40 mm-hmm. years like there were before. Um, and so when you were finishing up, you mentioned that you've been laid off a couple times. Can you tell us a little bit about <laughs> if, if you're comfortable talking about it? How oh, many yeah. times and like tell us a little bit about how you bounce back from from those? Yeah. So I think when I first wrote the book, I think at that point in time, I think I may have been laid off about five different times or so. Wow. And then I got laid off a couple times after that. So I think that that was the whole reason why I wrote the book. I've been laid off so many times and it was a joke to me. I was like, I should write a book about this because I have been laid off so many times. And I remember I was actually taking a shower and God was like, you need to write that book. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. I don't, I can write a book. He was like, you need to write a book. So I pitched the idea to my parents and they're like, Kim, I think that would be great. You should do it. So I was like, all right. So I wrote the book. Um, 
And the reason why I wrote it is because a lot of people don't know how to navigate being laid off um, and or being fired or, or whatever, um, because it is a very it's like you're losing someone. It's like a death. And mm-hmm. I talk about it in the book. It's a grieving process that you go mm-hmm. through. Um, the very first layoff I, I got was when I, I moved to Atlanta for the job because I wanted to come back to Atlanta. That was ultimately what I always wanted to do. And I got the job and I was there for like probably a week or two. And I literally went to lunch and came back and they were like, yeah, so we're going to have to let you go. Um, And I was devastated. Like, what am I supposed to do now? And that's why I was like, well, I'm about to just run back home. And that's when my mom's like, you're not coming back home. Like, you need to stick it out for a year. And if it doesn't work out, then of course you could come back. So I think that, like I said, I wrote the book to help people learn how to navigate it because it's a mm-hmm. loss, but it also can be used as an opportunity Yeah. Um, because maybe that just wasn't the place you were supposed to be. The other thing is a lot of people, even to this day, a lot of people don't understand how to deal with your bills. You know, what things you can do when you're laid off for one, you got to, you can't ignore your bills, like yeah. not mm-hmm. answering the phone and not talking to people isn't going to work because they don't know that you've been laid off. But what people don't understand is that people will work with you. If you have a car note, you call them, you can do a forbearance on your car note. If you have oh, a mortgage, you can do a forbearance on your mortgage mm-hmm. um, or make a small little payment. Uh, if you call your bill collectors, they will work with you. Um, now it's a lot better than it was back then, but they will work, but they don't know if you don't communicate with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, as soon as you get laid off, you want to hurry up and go to uh, the unemployment office, get that taken care of, get that done. Um, make sure, you know, sometimes you get that COBRA insurance, get you some insurance because that's important, too, for health care. So there are things that people, they just get laid out. And they're like, oh, my God, what am I going to do with my life? You know, while yeah. in it for like 24 to 48 hours. Yeah. But then get to work. And the other thing is also uses an opportunity to just kind of chill out for a minute. Like maybe you need a break mentally, just take a minute and and, and take a break. But I will say that after each layoff that I received, um, and it, it happened in different areas of my life, I responded very differently. I had one layoff experience where I had a house um, and the jobs just, it was just very hard to find a job. Um, I like my unemployment was running low. Like I literally contemplated suicide, which is crazy because, but I did. And I would go to the gym. I would go to the gym, but not really working out, just kind of going there. And I remember I was in a, um, at the gym in these media center that they have, like they show big movies, you can be on the cardio machines. And so I was on uh, the treadmill and I literally had an anxiety attack on the treadmill because I was thinking about suicide, but my mind was like, why are you thinking about killing yourself? Like, this is crazy. Like, so it was, my mind wouldn't really let me go there but I was just distraught. I had no money. And I'm a person that doesn't like to ask for help. I didn't know what to do. And it was around the holiday time. I was like, how am I going to go home for Christmas? So finally, my parents um, got together and they bought my ticket to go home. And, uh, you know, being home is just always better. But I remember as a grown woman, like on the floor of my room in my mom's house, like just defeated. Like my unemployment that was supposed to come in didn't come in. I was like, how am I going to pay these bills? My mother literally had to come into my room and scoop me up in her lap. I'm a grown woman. Mm-hmm. And basically like, it's going to be okay. And after we got through that, I was like, okay, let's talk about your bills. What you got going on? We'll help you with that. And then when I got back home to Atlanta, I had friends that got together and gave me like gift cards, gave Aww. me some yeah. Because I was struggling. So I think it, it just in every aspect of the layoff experience, just depending on where I was in my life, I, I handled it differently. But after I got through all those challenges, when I got, you know, um, the last I'm not going to say a layoff. I'll say the last type of layoff experience I had was being um, on um, furlough with COVID with my company with IHG. Mm-hmm. And um, it hit different. I was just like. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we met that meant you had like no salary. Um they I think we still kept our we got our health care, but we didn't have a salary. I think they gave us like two hundred dollars every two weeks or something like that. And um then I had unemployment. I was just like, okay, God, it is what it is. I'm gonna work it out. And I try to find other jobs in between them because then it was like, well, we don't know if we're coming back. Mm. Um and so I had to prepare myself for that. But I didn't worry about it because I was like, I will get another job. 
I'm not worried. So I think once you've gone through stuff like that, you just at a different, you have a different mindset. Like, you know, that you got God, he's got your back, trust the process. Like he's not going to let you fall. You just got to stay confident and have faith and know that it's going to work out. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much where my head was at as it relates to all the different layoffs I've experienced. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and even being around when you, you know, first released the book and all that kind of stuff. I remember those things, but did not know like the totality of your journey. And I think, you know, one of the key things for us is always like learning to navigate the journey yeah, and uh, making sure that we share, you know, our stories so that the people who come after us don't have to experience it in the same way. And not that we're giving anybody a concrete guideline on how to do anything as far as life is concerned, but just letting them know like you're not alone. Yep. So some of the some of that depression and some of the things that we experience is often because people feel alone and they feel like I'm the only one who is right. dealing with this. And so I cannot imagine being laid off that many times. <laughs> right. And you know, feeling like, what what am I gonna do? Yeah. Right. And then here's the other thing, because I have an MBA, I would I'm a, I'm a hustler, have always had yeah. two, three, four jobs. And I would go to like Walgreens, no lie. Yeah, you're overqualified. I need a job. Who cares? Yeah. Get the degree. Like I need a job. So that was another thing. Like people weren't hiring me because I was overqualified. So it was like, okay, yeah. let me take this MBA off of there and maybe you'll hire me. But um, so that was another thing. Like nobody will hire me and I'm willing to do anything. Like I will do whatever because I'm I'm a hustler. Um, yeah. In terms of that, <laughs> that's gonna be the music for the moment. Actually, Rick Ross. yeah, yeah. Rick Ross. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm wondering, like, uh, even in the midst of like having these these breaks where yeah. you're just kind of like to yourself, and it sounds like you really took a lot of time to make those those uh, gaps productive for you. Like, uh, what does it look like? Like, what's the haze in terms of like your professional evolution? How did it help you, you know, along the way? Yeah, I think that, as I mentioned earlier, when I was in my 20s working at Delta with my Sky Pager, thought I was really doing it. I mm. think it humbles you. Um, I mm. think for me, it humbled me. And while, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, people are like, I'm too old. I can't do this too late for me. It's never too late. Um, if every day that you wake up is a new opportunity for you to do something. And I will tell you this, this is a really amazing season for me. And I'm 49 years old, about to be 50 in like five months. I can't believe it. But I say all that to say that a lot of things that I've wanted for years are happening now. Mm. And I say that God allowed me to have those experiences to get me prepared for where I am right now. Really? So for example, for years, I wanted probably in the last six or seven years, I wanted to be a director. Um, and it was very important for me because especially at the companies I've worked at, I've always been the only black person at the table, uh, female mm-hmm. usually in my position. And there weren't that many people that looked like me. So when I got my last job at IHG, there weren't many black directors. Definitely there weren't any of my team. So when I started working, there, I was like, this is my goal. I'm going to be a director. I'm going to be a director. And it never happened, (laughs) which was really crazy. It never happened for me um, for a number of reasons, you know, politics and all of that. And you know how it is. We have to work harder um, to show our value. And I did all that. I did it. I followed the rules. I did everything I was supposed to do. And I still didn't get it. And I said, if I gave myself a deadline of like, okay, I'm going to stay here for five years. If I don't get it, I'm out. So five years came. I didn't get it. I left. And I am now at a company where not only did I get a, a, at the time, a director level position, but I wasn't in a leadership role within 30, no, 90 days, I got promoted. So now I'm a director in a leadership position with a team. So, and I'm super humble and grateful. Congratulations. And I, thank yeah. you. So I think that all of those different experiences prepared me for for this season in my life where I'm getting certain things in my life that I've wanted for years because right. I think you have to be ready for what God has for you and I think that oftentimes we get discouraged but understand and I know we say this a lot but it's the truth trust the process 
And yeah. don't get me wrong now, Scott. <laughs> I may have been able to be productive during these downtimes right. and all that. But listen, I was going through it. I would go through yeah. it. Um, and yes, I have a great support system, but there were times I'm like, this is not going to happen for me. Like, what is going on, God? I don't understand it. What I'm doing, what you're asking me to do, and I'm still not getting this. But then understanding that you're going through this for a reason. Yeah. And God is not going to give you something that he doesn't think you're ready for. I think that had I gotten a director role a lot sooner, I probably would have been like, yeah, you know. <laughs> I did. Yeah, look look at what look at I, did. I did. You know, because I didn't do it. Yeah. And I will tell you that when I looked for another job, when I was at my last company and I said that I wanted to leave, and I had like a lot of different, like I was, my interview schedule was so packed that I almost need an assistant to keep up with the interviews that I was getting. So I had all these different offers and companies coming after me. And I said, all right, God, it's you. You tell me where you want me to go and I'm going to go. And he picked the company that I didn't want to go to. I was like, mm, I don't really feel, I ain't really feeling them, you know, and that's the company that he told me to go to. Even in this situation where I got promoted. Now, let me tell you real quick how the promotion happened. I was at my job, the new job, for about two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. And my manager, who was the director, she ends up quitting. And she'd only been there not even a year yet. So she quit. So that left her position open. Now, technically, you have to be at that company for at least 10 to 12 months before you can apply for a job internally. So this was new for them. They've never done this before. So I asked, can I put my hat in the ring? Now, my boss's boss could have said no, but they were like, yeah, go ahead. I mean, you may have to go through the process. So I had to go through this entire interview process. It took weeks from a panel interview to all types of interviews. The same interviews that I went on the first time, I had to do it again. And I said to God, all right, God, if you want me to have this role, then you'll give it to me. And God said, I want you to have it, but understand, I want to see how bad you want it. Because I kind of was like, I can't believe I got to go through this again. I yeah. can't believe I have to say this again. But I did. I had to go through the entire interview process. And then I ultimately got the job because I didn't know if I was going to get it just because I was on the inside. Um, so I guess that was a long about answer to your question, Scott. But it just really all those different situations that I went through prepared me for even this season right now and also just makes me a more humble person and really understanding what God can do. The other thing is this. Um, <laughs> these are just jobs that you're working for other people. Like I have a, mm -hmm. that, that doesn't make Kim. I have other desires and things, that I, other passions that I like to do besides working in corporate world for somebody else. That's great. And it's a great opportunity and it helps feed the other things that I want to do. But at the end of the day, that's not my destiny. They don't own me. And at the end of the day, I can get another job. Right. Yeah. So I think you get to a point where you're like, OK, I can get another job, you know. So, mm -hmm. yeah. There's so much about your story that resonates with me as someone mm -hmm. who um, was like starting. I, I was freelancing in terms of what the dream that I was working towards. I always had jobs that paid my bills. Right. Especially when I was living in L.A., but I was pursuing professional dance and choreography and I would have like gigs here and there. And it wasn't until I moved back to Texas and was like, OK, I'm in a space where I can stay with my family. I don't have to take as many like jobs just to pay my bills. I can actually... I'm saving money because I'm I'm not paying rent. I can actually see if this dancing is going to go somewhere. And even when I was making it like solely um, providing for my like my life with dance, there's so many moments like that hustle mentality. You have to yeah. have it right. Mm -hmm. and, and so many moments I can just remember of feeling forgotten. You know, just feeling like to your point, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. I am going to classes. When I was in LA, this is especially when I felt it. I'm working overnight so that I can be available for auditions in the morning and the afternoons. I'm sleeping just a couple of hours, which is not healthy. I'm getting up. I'm going to class so that I can mm -hmm. network and then also train mm -hmm. at the same time. I am doing everything that I know how to do. I have an agent. I'm getting headshots and I am, do I am just doing all of the things. And it'd be like, all my friends would be like, ooh, I, I booked Tyrese or I booked Beyonce or I booked Beyonce. With, anytime I got those calls, those would be the ones I just tore my heart into. Yeah. But um, just feeling like, dang, mm -hmm. like what, what it, 
am I missing something? There's another period I remember being in Texas and things were going well until they weren't. And there was just a season. It was just a slow season. And when you freelance, yep. that happens sometimes. There'll be moments where you have like all the projects and you just book, 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 book. Mm. And then moments where it's like, okay, Nothing. the last check carried me for only so long. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> what am I going to do now? And I just remember being in tears one day, like, uh, like, is there something else I should be doing? Is this worth it anymore? Like mm. just, I think feeling like forgotten is probably the best yeah. way that I can say it. When And we know in, in hindsight and in retrospect that that's not true, but it's an actual feeling. And so I heard you mention some version of that as you were speaking. How did you navigate through all of that? I hear, I heard you say now as in a, at this age of your life, you're kind of like, well, it is what it is. I know what to do. Right. But throughout all of those transitions, how did you navigate through those moments where you felt forgotten and just frustrated? And like, why am I going through this again? Is it me? And do you yeah. see me over here? Right. Like, <laughs> I gotta go through this again. Like, how did you how did you navigate through all of that? I think part of it is my relationship with God. And I know that you know people say that all the time, but it's my relationship with God. Now, mind you. I've always had a relationship with God. My relationship with God has gotten way stronger the last two years. But even during those times, I had a relationship with God, but also had a great support system. Yeah. You know, my my parents, but especially my mom, like my mom, that's my dog right there. Like she is someone that obviously loves me unconditionally, that knows me better than anybody else. She also has a relationship with God, very strong faith. But beyond that, she knows me and she's always, you know, she, she would not listen. We were little and I used to be like, I can't stand her. Why is she making me do this? She was tough, but everything that she taught us uh, helped us to be resilient and learn how to, to navigate these things. And like I said, it hasn't been hard, but I'm able to call my mom and talk to her and talk to my dad. Both my parents are just super supportive. Um, and I have a, even though my brother's younger, he's also tends to be a little bit wise. So I talked to him. So having a good support system really helped. I didn't, I can't take credit for just, oh, I just knew how to navigate everything. I didn't. Um, I think if I didn't have support system, I'm not really sure where I would be. Um, but the other thing for me is I'm very stubborn in terms of I know what I want and I'm going to get it mm-hmm. and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it. And so everything that I've ever wanted to do, I've done. Because I'm not, and no matter how long it takes, that's why I tell people it doesn't matter how long it takes. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, But I'm not going to settle. And that's something I've never done. I've never settled in relationships. I've never, no, that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, ultimately I'm like, yeah. Yeah, let me just, let me just, wait a minute. But um, for the most part, like everything that I wanted, for example, and and this is going to be material stuff, but just give me an example. So my uncle, had BMWs his whole life. So when I was little, he used to have, and they were vintage back then, you know, these BMWs, like, man, I want BMW. I have always wanted a BMW my entire life. I could have had a BMW long time ago, but because um, I I am a risk taker, but I'm also cautious. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I really can afford that. I don't know if I should be spending that type of money. And so um, I finally got it, like, what, several years back. But even now, and I've had it for, what, for a while now. And now I still can't believe I'm driving it. <laughs> humble because you're like, I, I took my time. Like for me, my relationship with God, and this is just me personally, I can always feel it. Like I know when it's organic and I know when it's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And so the reason why I never got the BMW all those other times, cause it wasn't my time. Yeah. And right. so when it was time for me to get it, I got it. Same with the place where I live right now. Um, and I've been here for a minute. It's time to go. But in- initially, when I saw it, I was like, man, I sure wish I could live there. Mm. But I can't afford that. And I didn't. I worked. I lived someplace else. And then when I was looking to move at that spot, my mom came down again, someone who's supportive. Kim, why can't you get that? I don't know, because I just she was like, Kim, you can get that spot. And I was like, I'm probably not going to get it. And it all aligned. I didn't need a co-signer or nothing like that. Like it all aligned for me. So I think that just navigating through those difficult times, 
it's very important to have a really good support system. And for me, having a relationship with God, even if it wasn't as strong as it is now, I still had a relationship with him. And yeah. I faltered at times, believe me. But then I get myself back up and realize, OK, OK, come on, we're going we gonna, to we gonna do this. It's going to be OK, Kim. He's got your back. And um, that's how I, I was able to get through it. Absolutely. I think the um, all of this like develops us for where we are now. Right. So I can realize now that all of those moments that I experience legitimately, like I have used every single situation in the work that I do now and Mm -hmm. in the season that I do now. So it's not for not. And then I also have um, what I like to describe maybe as like a peace meter, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's some things where, if the timing is not right, the situation is not right, the people aren't right, there's just like not a peace. There's mm-hmm. not a settling, yeah. there's an uneasiness about it mm-hmm. that will, even if it's something that ideally or in theory I would really want, if there's an uneasiness around it, then I know it's it's not, yeah. it's not for me. Yeah. One of the things I, I think that, that keeps circling back around for us is a few episodes ago, we, we talked about things not being lost, but being alignment. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And even when we were talking about even the definition of alignment is just kind of things coming into agreement. Right. And so when I think about the way that things have impacted my life, when I've been like mad at God at times and mm-hmm. you know, even having that relationship, I feel like me and God got a relationship that's cool enough where I can just be like, all right, now you tripping <laughs> right. you know, and I'm mad at you and we'd be OK. Yeah. You know, yeah. we cool enough for, for me to be mad at him and, and, and it'd be OK. But also, you know, a lot of. Uh, me and God's disagreements have been about really his timing. Mm-hmm. And so the the agreement that I've had that I've had to have the conversation uh, about with myself in the conversations that I have with myself is really about me understanding that he's doing something like he's building me up and he's preparing me to even like hone the skills that I'm developing in, in those moments where I've got my eyes on like what it is that I want. Right. And he's like, I'm developing you, yeah. You know, to be able to handle that. That when you get there, like I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna give you what you asked for, Negro. Just wait, right. right? But you gotta have the skills to be able to handle it when I give it to you. And a lot of that agreement is like me finally getting to where he already is. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying? And, and just really that that ends up being the alignment. And I get there and I'll be like, oh, yeah. It's, that's our control issues. We talk about right, it all the time. Like we want to control it. Like if you're gonna do it, why are you not doing it right now? Right. <laughs> right. You said be right. faithful of a few right. things. You said you're gonna grant me the desires of my heart. What's going on? Checking so off, son. Yeah. Like I got my few and then some. The people over there ain't doing nothing, cuz. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So alignment just, you know, it, it keeps circling the back back around for us. And we keep seeing it a, a lot more. Yeah. You know? Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we've heard about your transitions and how you've navigated things. You've already told us a little bit about your book and the show. But what else um, can you share about those projects? Is there anything that you're working towards now that you've, I heard you've redone like a newer edition of the book. Yep. Um, what's... Uh, What's on the roadmap, I guess, for you? Yeah, I heard you show. said you got some other things brewing. Yeah. What's popping? Give us the tea. Well, I would say that, well, one, my show, I had to change it because it was originally Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays because mm-hmm. it was like, hey, it's your girl Kim show. Kick you off with your week, help you get through the hump day, and then end your week off with me and start your weekend. But because of life <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and jobs, um, I don't have that luxury of doing those shows at that time. So I decided to do something a little bit different. I was like, well, let's do coffee chat with it's your girl Kim show on sun on Saturdays at nine 30. And at first I was a little bit fearful. Like, I don't think people going to be on there at nine 30, you know, it's a Saturday. Ironically, it is the best. I mean, yeah. you know, with my show, we do it live, but again, people can catch the replay. So a lot of people catch the replay, but usually on average, which is really good for a Saturday, I'll get 20 plus people on there mm-hmm. watching on Saturday morning. Because for one, it's Saturday morning. You could just be at home and you're pretending mm-hmm. you could be on the treadmill, whatever. And for me, yeah. I am super relaxed and I'm not like, oh, I got I to gotta hurry up do this. Like, I'm just I'm super relaxed. And it's just it's really fun. And people were telling me they could tell a difference just in, in 
in my demeanor. So I, because I didn't want to give it up because it's yeah. something I love to do. So I just said, let's just change it. And so it's worked out pretty well. Um, I did want to come out with another book. I'm not sure yet. I have to really think about it. So what I was going to do is turn my blog into a book because I'm going to be 50. It was kind of like, I can't really write about 40s anymore. Now I'm about to start a new chapter in my life. So I wanted to just kind of like what she did in Sex and City to yep. her her stuff and turn it into a book. Mm-hmm. So all I got to do is write some intros and some ex, you know, exits uh, of the book or whatever, the chapter. So I... I'm not sure. So we'll see. That was something I wanted to do, but I just been really busy. Um, the other project is a secret project. You have to sign an NDA. Oh, but hey. it's actually <laughs> something that's really cool um, that I would love to have done at least by homecoming season um, because it is related to HBCUs. That's all I can give you. But it's something that hopefully if it goes away, I think it go. I would probably walk away from corporate America after a minute. Because it, hey, it, that's what's up. I mean, if you need some support, you know, if you can use our thing, so mm-hmm. please, yeah, so it's, it. it's something. I, so, I'll tell you, then this is what I tell people all the time like, it's never too late. So, as I mentioned before, yeah. I always have had this entrepreneurial spirit. What I've come up with clothing lines, athletic leisure line, uh, how mm-hmm. to have cocktails in like a Capri Sun pouch. Like, I've come up with all types of stuff. Let's do a book, a, a website that's a bookstore online. I've come up with all types of stuff, put business plans together. But to your point, it's like, I didn't feel that Pete, I didn't feel that, like, how am I going to get it off the ground? So I would throw them away. But I've always wanted to come up with some type of a product or service that I would make money in my sleep, basically. So I actually had a conversation with one of my best friends from college. And the idea came about in December at Christmas time. And I was like, yeah, and we could do, and I could, yeah. And then I went to, you know, went to sleep and I slept on it and was like, "Mm, whatever. And I was like, girl, what are you doing? Yeah. This is it. You are solving mm-hmm. a need. And I pitched it to a couple of people. They're like, oh, my God. Yes. So I got to work on it. And here's the thing, especially with black folks. One, we just want stuff to happen that quick. We want to happen right. overnight. Um, I have family and friends that are super talented that start stuff, don't finish it, start it because it's not working out the way they want it. And the thing is, if you are passionate about it, it takes time. So a lot of times we don't want to take the time to cultivate it. And so this project is cost money. Yeah. And the first part of it I pay for, but the next part I don't want to pay for. I want to get investors. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm putting together a pitch deck, very professional pitch deck. I'm going to invite some people that could be possible investors and do it that way. Um, because we don't want to, it takes time. So this could happen in the next six or 12 months. Um, but like I said, I want the first version done at least by October, but you know, we can't be afraid for something to take time. Even with my book, I'm not a best-selling author. You know, I don't know if I ever will be, but the bottom line is the books that are out there, I still get a little bit of money and I still, Mm -hmm. you know, I I did something. And my whole point was not to get rich. My whole point was to do something to help solve a need. And that's why my book did as good as it has done or is doing because it doesn't have a, a shelf life and um, there's a need. So what I've come up with now is solving a need. And I think it's going to, now I think this going to really, y'all going to want to have me back when this launches. Hey. We don't have you back. Either yeah, way. either way. And we'll definitely link to, to your book uh, mm-hmm. on the episode page of our site. And yeah, like I said, we love HBCU. So, you know, mm-hmm. wink, wink. Um, I was going to say something about all the things. Oh, time, taking time to build things. Uh, anything worth having or building takes mm-hmm. time. Like it is definitely a long game. I can even take this podcast as an example. We're yeah. into low 30s in terms of how many episodes we've done. And we talk about it and even joke about it, how... Like, you're like, is anybody watching this? Is anyone watching it? Why we got to do this? And it's so interesting that, like, we'll look at the dashboard, the analytics, and see, like, okay, it's it's a decent amount of traffic. It's not um, concentrated into one time period. Do you know what I mean? It's, like, steady, a couple people here and there. But then the amount of messages we get from friends, like, I heard this episode. This was, like, this was hilarious. Oh, my gosh, it was so good. It was exactly what I needed. Or seeing people, like, oh, my gosh, I'm loving what y'all are doing. I love... We listen to it. And so we get nuggets along the way that keep moving us forward. But I agree that it really is about the body of work that you build. Mm -hmm. And, like, what what 
we talk a lot about legacy. Like this is something that we're leaving, mm-hmm. regardless if if it turns a profit or not. Like we yeah. built something. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, and I think the other key thing is, what is your purpose? For yeah. doing whatever yeah. you're doing, what is what's your angle? And so once you let go of like when like I first started my show, it was like, oh, I gotta get the numbers. Oh, I want to do this. And then I finally got to the point where people used to try to tell me, Well, Kim, you need a network, you need to go into the other streams, you need to and finally got to the point where I was like, I don't know why. Like, I'm not doing it. And now because my my life is just busy, you know, and and just really I don't have time to be in the streams like I did prior to my um different career moves. But I'm like, if they don't come, that's fine. Like, I'm not doing it for them. And so I think when you get to the point of what is it that you're really trying to do, you know, like you said, you have a great body of work. And I'm like, I have great content. If one, if, mm-hmm. if it's just one person, I don't care. I do the show like I have a million people watching because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you never know who's watching you and you don't mm-hmm. know what could come out of what you got going on. So you just got to keep it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That part, that yeah. part. Yeah. Speaking of, and you dropped some some amazing nuggets just along the way. What would be like uh, one centered message that you think you would give people uh, around professional growth? Or I would even say personal growth. Yeah. Uh, if it would be one thing that you could tell folks, what would it be? I, I say this all the time. Trust the process. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's real simple. It, yeah. it is really that simple. Trust it's simple, but it's hard to do. It is very, very hard to do. But once you um, really sit there and you surrender to to the process and if you're a believer of God, you surrender to him completely in all areas of your life. You'll see how he works it out. Like, Scott, you talked about it before. Like, you know, you're like, well, God, I don't know why you do what is happening. He got something going on that you don't know nothing about. And so if you just got to let him work, but at the same time, don't. So trust the process, but also don't just sit there and yeah. eat bonbons expecting it to happen. <laughs> so, you know, what I mean by that is an opp- I saw an opportunity at work. And if I kept my mouth shut, do you think I would have gotten this promotion? No. Because they weren't going to be like, hey, Kim, you should apply for this job. They weren't going to say that. So I had to ask. And all they could say is no. You know, so I, mm-hmm. I trusted that process. And it wasn't easy, but. In every aspect of my life, I have trusted the process. And that's mm-hmm. that's the best advice I can give to someone. Mm, can we sit with that for just a moment? Trust in the <laughs> what that looks like. Um, we try to make it, you know, the transparency piece of of the that is kind of the why for right. us in this mm-hmm. podcast. And so we hear all of these things like trust the process or do that, do this, and and I, at least for folks like me who I learn by models and, and visuals, like it's, I'm like, what does that mean? You know, like trust yeah. the process. How, how, you know, um, <laughs> what you talking about? Yeah, how, right. quant, quantify it for me. How long did it take you to get to this level? How many times did you fail? Like how many times did you have to start over again? Like that is just. This is our research. Right <laughs> and I'm like, gosh, you know, <laughs> no, but no, you, you, you got good points. I mean, I, I do hear what you're saying when someone says, I think for me, because I've done it in so many yeah. instances and mm-hmm. I've seen it, like I've mm-hmm. seen it, like, Dang, you you was right, you know. <laughs> um, so you can't really. It's hard to quantify it. Like, yeah, and I get it. It's hard. Like, well, how long did it take you? But you know, again, like I said, this season for me has been amazing. Even, and I can just be transparent. Even from a relationship standpoint, mm-hmm. um, and and I I think for me, like I have always wanted to get married. For example, and you know, I'm 49 and I haven't gotten married yet, and so. I'm never like, I'm not in the fetal position crying myself. Oh my God, what's wrong with me? Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe back in my earlier days, but if I'm honest with myself, my mama would tell you the same thing. When I was in my 20s or whatever, I wasn't ready to get married. You know, I wasn't ready to get married to maybe my late 30s, maybe. Mm-hmm. And all the relationships that I've had prepared me for this moment um, that I'm in now. And I and I actually do have someone now. And oh. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been amazing. However, there's been challenges as most relations, right. not anything bad, but challenges. And I'm sitting there like, God, okay, you don't show me this guy. This is him. I think this is him. Um, but why are we gotta deal with this? Like it's supposed <laughs> to be, you know, and my mom was like, relationships are not easy, but right. all the things that you went through prepared you for this moment. And so mm-hmm. 
if it turns out the way, you know, in the ending that I would like it to, um, man, if this is what I had to wait for, then okay. Right yeah. Right. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that the other thing is, and I'm being transparent again, and I just, I guess I'm just wanting to tr- touch on the t- trusting your process and what it looks like. You know, I also thought I wanted kids, mm-hmm. you know, and, but I just, I just, I don't know. Did, did I want them because I wanted them or did I want them because society said that? So I had to really do a self-introspection on that. But I will tell you this, that I, when I finally met this person, I finally was like, this is someone who I want to have kids with. Well, he cannot have kids anymore. He mm. cut that off. Um, and I remember going to my therapist like, well, I mean, I, can, I kind of want a kid. He, she was like, well, why do you want kids? And I was like, because I think they look pretty. kids. <laughs> <laughs> And so, you know, in all honesty, I had to do some self-introspection and really think about, I really don't necessarily want to be a mom. I think that that's just a lot of responsibility to to basically rear a life for me. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm a great aunt. And I think trusting the process for me is like, okay, God, you know, I've trusted you this long. You know, and I feel like you're bringing me this person that that I've asked for. And but now I can't have this other piece. Like, Dad, God, what you doing? But then God's like, but Kim, look at your life. Mm-hmm. Like, look at your life. And I never said you weren't going to ha- be around kids. I got kids all over. My brother just had a baby. Mm-hmm. So you got kids all over in your life. And maybe you weren't supposed to be a mother by birth, but maybe there's a, you've, you've birthed other things. So your mm-hmm. life is still fulfilled. And mm-hmm. so I guess I to kind of go back to the trust in the process, I trust him. And I just think that I always look at God and us as these choose your own adventure stories. We have free will, but I feel like that God has a plan for us. And I also feel like when I look at my life, everything I've ever wanted, I got it with the exception of marriage. Cause I'm not going to propose to a man. <laughs> if I wanted a kid, if I really wanted a kid, I would have a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And I appreciate your transparency and you touched on a lot of, important things in terms of trusting the process and what it looks like. One thing I want to call out is like, you could really be believing for something. And when you get it, it doesn't mean that it's going to be perfect. Like this, I, releasing this idea that right. there will, because you've waited on it and now it's your time there, it will be, right. um, what's the word? Like without challenge mm-hmm. or just completely. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think the point of it for me is my own interpretation is that, Trusting the process means we have to trust the energy, God, higher being mm-hmm. outside of us. Mm-hmm. You got to trust the thing that's larger than you through yep. every part of it. Yep. When you are waiting for it, when mm-hmm. you get yep. it, like through all of it, I think that has to be the through line. And the moments where we're waiting for whatever the thing is, that those are development stages. Yeah. Preparation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. When you get it, there still has to be something to keep it, mm-hmm. right? To f- sustain it. So you're still, there's still some trust mm-hmm. there. Uh, and so, yeah, trusting the process. I appreciate you saying that using the language, trusting the process for me means, right? Because right. it could look different for, for other people. For other oh, people yeah. But I think at the end of the day, it still means that it's, it's important, this is my opinion, to rely on the, the larger parts of life. Like it has to be about more than just yeah. us, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I yeah. And even along those lines with it taking longer sometimes than you think, I think that, you know, God is ultimately like working in us and working in the person too, you know, to prepare them to, to cause I know God had to do some special stuff to prepare you to be able to deal with me. <laughs> yeah. But, and vice versa. I, I definitely right. wasn't ready in my twenties. I ain't have nothing mm-hmm. to contribute. I don't have no coins. Girl. I'm just trying to figure my life out. Like cooking it too much. <laughs> Ooh, not ready. Mm-mm. Like right. yeah, both so both of us, right now, preparing. Right, so not for the the perfect situation or the perfect person, but to be able to have a uh, a life that is good and, and fruitful, and fruitful. Yeah. You know, yeah. with with the person. So yeah, equally yoked. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I say that not even just with with your romantic relationship, mm-hmm. even with whatever you're doing, whether it be a with job, a, mm-hmm. a yes. invention, a project, making mm-hmm. sure it's organic and equally yoked. I think mm-hmm. that's really important too. That's a whole word. Um, don't 
cast your pearls before swine is a whole vibe that applies to relationships, to your job. You could be like the most talented, giving your all, and you could be at a place that is sinking, talk to mm-hmm. people. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you've got a, it's so much in terms of that alignment that you were talking about right. that really is about mindset alignment and energy alignment oh, and all of that. All of it. And to your point about being a parent, like you're absolutely right. Like you've birthed ideas, you've mm-hmm. birthed projects, you've, you know, and yeah. there are kids around you as well. And so mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things I've had to learn in terms of all the things that I've thought that I wanted is like at the, the base of it. And I read this book, I think I mentioned it before, um, Playing the Matrix by the guy that does the universe talks, like the notes from the universe. He has mm-hmm. this book called Playing the Matrix and it's basically, basically about how to manifest. Mm-hmm. And what I learned from that and what I try to pull out of everything that I think I desire is what's the essence of the thing that I'm thinking that I want, right? So for if I take uh, our relationship, if I want to be practical, when I was in my earlier 30s or mid-30s, I was like, okay, I took this very literally, write out, write the vision, make it plain. So I put my list, was going to pray yeah, for it, right? List. Yep. list was like educated, good credit, <laughs> you know what I mean? No good like, mama. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I got that and it felt awful. It was icky. It mm-hmm. was drama filled. There was no peace there whatsoever. And I was like excited at first, like, oh, it's my on paper guy. You know, like <laughs> I met my on paper person and uh, it lasted like two and a half, three weeks. It was, it just felt awful. And then finally I was like, okay, well, what do I want my partnership to feel like? What What is it that I want in partnership? I want spiritual values to be aligned. I want physical connection. I want mental stimulation. Like I started pulling out the energies of what Mm -hmm. I desire and focus on how things felt. And I'll even be transparent to say that when we first met, I was still kind of like, but the rest of it, it feels the way I want it to feel. The rest of the situation isn't what I thought it would Mm be. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was saying like, I want it to feel this way. And then still you know, all the things that I'm out on my way. <laughs> and I really had to do some like getting out of my way. Like, remember, like you had all your lists and how that, mm-hmm. that did, that wasn't sustaining. Right. But what, if you have everything that you want it to feel like, like, don't, don't be dumb girl, <laughs> you know, like right. <laughs> sit down mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, lest you be single forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but no, not in a settling way, but like, yeah. I, like this is actually what I wanted it to feel like. And mm-hmm. it ha- once I got out of my own way, I had to fast, I had to pray. Uh, once I got out of my own way, it was literally like, well, what was I doing before him? You know, just so much. Exactly. Deep- like, huh. Yeah. See, I, I um, met my person. I've known him since high school, ironically, wow. but we never, the crazy thing is, I knew, like, I hung out with his his friend circle, but, like, we never connected ever. Like, I don't even think I, we would say, yeah, I was at that party. You were? Because I don't remember saying. Like, we yeah. never, 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 never connected. And it wasn't until we got older, um, and he got married and has kids, and he was a deacon in our church. And I would, when I would come home, um, as an adult, I'd come home and i see him, and I'd be like, man, he sure is fine. <laughs> He's married. And I I remember always saying it like, man, he sure is fine, but he is married and never thought anything of it, ran into him at an event and he was still married at the time. Well, I didn't know they were going through a separation, but um, to your point, I was getting, getting over another relationship Well, I was about to break up with him, which is why I came home because I needed a break. And I saw him at this event and it was his energy that he was giving off. It was just how he worked the room, his, or his whole thing. And I said, I want somebody like that. Not him, but I want somebody like that. Mm-hmm. And I went home, broke up with the guy I was dating because of that. Um, and it wasn't until years later where he and I connected and, I, and he was getting, going through a divorce and basically was like, you know, he sought me out when a man found the good woman, I guess. And wow. I was like, looking at him okay. like, this ain't really what I'm trying to do. Like, I was like, mm. like, I didn't want, I didn't want it. And I didn't. And then, you know, I told him he wasn't ready for me. And I said, you need to go out there once you, you know, you're divorced and, you know, sow your oats, do whatever you need to do. I'm you're not ready for me. Yeah. And he, he said, I could believe she said, he was like, I could believe you said I wasn't ready because you weren't. 
And we went on another year or two. And then we're now last year, last year I had COVID. I got COVID, had to stay in Cleveland for like 30 days. And in the 30 days, um, we connected and we had gone out a couple of times. And this is probably the most grown up conversation I ever had mm-hmm. with a guy. I was like, you just want to date because what are we doing? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> and so we started dating in August of last year. So I say all that to your point, just I wanted certain things and I wanted to feel certain things. I knew what I wanted. Um, it wasn't in the way that I pictured it, you know, like, oh, he's divorced, going to uh, but got kids, you know, um, but I don't know what I was doing before that um, because we, you know, we are friends and we have so much fun and we're equally yoked in all parts. Like you said, mind, body, soul, all of that. And he loves my family and vice versa. So, you know, I'm enjoying the journey and I don't know where it's going to go, but I'm enjoying the journey. And honestly, like, you know, we've had some ups and downs and where I felt like, I don't know if I want to do this. Then I was like, well, what, what are you doing, Kim? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what you've been asking for mm-hmm. this whole time. Not forget about what you have on the paper. Yeah, he fixed fix all that, but it's more than that. Yeah. It's so that much energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so anyway, not to tell my whole personal life, which is probably the first time I really talked about it, but <laughs> I'm very private. No, that I'm sure has helped somebody. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I'm sure someone has see, sees themselves in that, in that story. I have two things for both of y'all. Oh, Lord. Forget oh. them, them first two dudes. <laughs> and I'm fine. Glad that y'all got y'all shit together. <laughs> we got our- oh, us? <laughs> both of y'all. Glad y'all finally got out of your way. Child. Yes, you got out of our way. <laughs> yeah, so this this is, you know, for us, we always have music that this feels like. This mm-hmm. has been a great conversation. So, yeah, you know, we, we want our guests to, to give us, uh, what is your music for the moment? What does this feel like? The totality of all of it. So, and I thought about that because I got the questions in advance. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dang, this is, because I love music. So, Usually when I work out every day, um, I listen to, I have a playlist called Focus, which has a lot of mostly gospel music on there because it just gets mm-hmm. my mind centered. And so one of the songs that I listen to on a regular basis is called um, You Always Hear Me by Valencia mm-hmm. Lacey. And the reason why that song is just so powerful is because and no matter what situation you're in, God always hears you. Mm-hmm. And he knows my voice. He knows me and I know him. And so you don't know when he's going to move things, but you know, he's going to do it. And so that song just speaks to me every day. So that I listen to it every day, literally. Mm. Ah, I love, love that. I appreciate the righteous perspective. Right. I, well, as you were speaking, it made me think about what was the song that always kind of, it has always tugged on my heartstring in all of the seasons where I felt forgotten and that is Yolanda Adams, Open My Heart. Um, oh, yeah. Especially in the parts when she's like, um, you know, just guide my guide my heart, help yeah. me to stay open to where you're sending me. Uh, uh, all this stuff has been really difficult and I want to close mm-hmm. up. I want to say, forget it. I want to yep. be like, oh, I ain't doing it no more. Kick yep. my yep. <laughs> um, And that has always, always, always brought me to tears and kept me open to like, just hold on a little bit. You know, keep moving, cry if you need to, get it out, and it'll be all right. But I also want to throw in the ratchetness of <laughs> Rick Ross. <laughs> Every day I'm hustling. Both are equally true and important. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I mean, I do like some ratchet songs. I would say like, my thing is like the song Boss but from Beyonce. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I like yeah. I'll repeat at the top of 2020. That song was for me. Yeah. I love that. All right, so since we're doing Righteous and Ratchet, and I don't feel bad anymore. <laughs> all right, so for me, it, uh, my Righteous song is is Make Room by uh, Jonathan McReynolds. Mm-hmm. Yes, I um, love him. Yeah, he is amazing. And he, he always just talks about how, you know, uh, we pray that that we will make room for what it is that, that God is doing for us and that he's making room for us at the same time. Um, ratchet is going to be... I'm a, I'm a hustler, homie. Mm, Jay Z. Yeah, it's your girl. It's your girl Kim. <laughs> got about 17 projects in the making. So. I know, right? Listen, you only got one time to do this thing called life, man. You, I yeah. mean, 
Listen, as my grandmother said, you only pass this way once. That's so. it. You got to get this thing done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Good song. Mm-hmm. We got a whole bunch we of songs. We got like six songs. So uh, y'all look out for the Love Haze music for the moment. I right? Playlist on Spotify. You have all this I beautiful mix of Ratchet. 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 <laughs> who I am as a yeah, person. Yeah. <laughs> all of it is equally true. Um, well, this has been a beautiful conversation. This Kelly. has been amazing. Thank you spending some time uh, with us. We're going to make sure we've linked to uh, all of your uh, handles mm-hmm. and projects in uh, the episode. Make sure folks can take a look at that. Um, but we're going to close this up and say, uh, like we always say here on the Love Haze, a life will always present you with a haze. Mm-hmm. But we all have everything we need within us to navigate through it. That's right. You're not alone. Um, join us this time, next time, every, every time. time. <laughs> right. And we're going to try to navigate it together. Thanks so much, Kim, for joining us. Peace to everybody. We out, y'all. Holla.